All right, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Open Guard Cast with Super Dave Osborne. My name is Super Dave. I'm here with Danny O'Donnell, and we're here with 2020 band champion in uh, Peso Pluma, Josh Isneros. <laughs> Thank you so much to Open Guard Cast. Our, uh, actually, to election performance, you can use our Open Guard Cast discount code, Open Guard Cast 25, for 25% off so that your voice doesn't sound like Super Dave Osborne's and so that you can get thick, meanly, and swole. Thank you so much, Josh, for coming on the show. I thought about doing that intro. That probably wasn't a very good intro, but um, <laughs> speaking of very good intros, talk about an intro to Black Belt that Josh had. Uh, talk about your pans run real quick, um, just to kind of get going. And like, how did you feel going to that tournament, man? Um, I felt really, really good. Uh, I had a I had a really good weight cut to it, so I felt really strong. I wasn't dying or anything. I just I was basically a few days before. I didn't train probably like three, four days before the tournament because flying out to the Florida, everyone had to fly out there. I had to fly from Cali, so basically by the time I was there. I was on way, I was underway, I was able to eat, relax, just enjoy Florida. Um, I was feeling really strong, really confident, um, a little nervous for my second match against Paulo. I was real confident in my first match, just get the flow going, just to get like a little warm up because I just had to win one match on uh, Saturday and then just wait until Sunday. And I got some food, more food, I felt even stronger. And then going into my second match against Paulo, that was the, I was real nervous about that one. Until I got out there, then I started feeling more and more confident. Um, I happened to get the win against uh, Apollo, and then went on to the semis. I got like an under like a uh, like a minute minute choke, put the guy to sleep, and then after that into the finals against uh, Pedro Diaz. I happened to get the win of that, and overall the tournament was really really fun. It was like a big uh, roller coaster of emotions on it, of up down, like nervous, confident. Uh, it was a little scary though, because it was oh, yeah. my very first it was my very first major as a black belt. And it was only my second tournament as a black belt, like two months into it. And it was a little scary. But once I got in there and started, as soon as we shook hands, we got grips with each other, I just started to get more and more confidence every single time. Yeah. So we talked a little bit before we started recording about, like, the seating, which I thought was kind of interesting. But what were your, like, expectations going into it when you saw the names in the bracket? Did you have, like, okay, I'm going to have to fight this guy, this guy? Did you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I was just hoping that it didn't have... Like, someone like Paulo, very first match. Yeah. I had him second match, was sucked. I was hoping to get him at least semis or finals. Um, if it was finals, that would have been awesome. A final, like a finals match at 2020 IBF Pans against Paulo Miao, I think that would have been awesome. I was just, it was, uh, I was just kind of worried because, again, I didn't have any ranking points. I didn't, I, the only, the only tournament I competed at this year was, uh, what do you call it, Austin Open. That's the only points I had for ranking. So my ranking points, I was probably at the very bottom of uh, ranking, four points. So all I was hoping was I didn't get, someone who competed at black belt for like a wild time and they had big name very first match so that was the only thing i was worried about but other than that not much Mm -hmm. so going back to like the weight cut how much weight do you cut for for your division uh for my division i i usually i walk around at around like 155 when i'm like eating good but i'm training and stuff like that but like i'm eating really good so i'm like (laughs) i'm eating like probably like three meals a day but snacking in between too Mm-hmm. So I'm eating like really, really good, but uh, when I stop and I start to diet, like my weight immediately drops like 10 pounds because like my weight really fluctuates. So like August, like I hit up to like 165, I got back and then boom, went right back to 155 and then dropped right back down to 145. So my weight like goes up and down crazy. But usually when I get down to 140, um, just cutting the gi weight is the hardest, just the gi weight. So yeah. once I have to cut like just those last three pounds, that's where it's like it's a little harder. 
Um, that's where I started to feel a little bit more drained on my body. But once I got down there, um, it was easy. Uh, once, yeah. I, once I was down to the weight, I was relaxing. I still train. I lost more weight, and then I eat right back up to the weight, and then I just started to feel real good. And how old are you? Uh, 20. Yeah, so that's an explanation for why your weight fluctuates. Because uh, <laughs> having a fast metabolism is a beautiful thing when you're trying yeah. to – And your body's already like, okay, well, you're not going to keep this on anyway. Yeah. Uh, metabolism is going to take care of the rest. That's really good, man. I mean, I was in front of the mat. <laughs> I had the, the pleasure and also the fright of seeing you take that poor man's back and, and choke him out. Uh, I was like, <laughs> I, had, I had to like reel back. I was like, dang, Josh is like – Josh is on one today. And that was the first fight of Sunday. Because, I mean, dude, there's got to – there's – it's really cool to be able to do your – I mean, you do the quarterfinal, semifinal, and final all on Sunday for the big black belt tournaments. And yeah. that's a cool experience too. It was actually my first – I think it was my first um, gi major because I didn't know gi worlds in 2019. But mm-hmm. I didn't make it to, to Sunday. And it would have been cool, but I didn't do it. And this was my first time making it to Sunday. And, man, what a, what a cool experience. And – Tell us a little bit. I'll ask this question. Uh, I know Danny's usually the question guy, but come on, I gotta. <laughs> um, tell a little bit about like. Just. I forgot my question. You see that? That sucks. Anyway, that's why I'm the question guy. That's why I'll you're the question guy. No. Um, a little bit about like how you take this tournament experience and use it for the plans for the future. What did you learn from this? Um, dude, anyone can be beaten. That's basically about what it is. Like I, I've seen you. You were killing that black belt as your intro too. So when I got in there, I was like, shoot. And I saw – and so I kind of got a little hyped up before because I saw Samuel Nagai beat Isaac Gudelain. And mm-hmm. it was like 12 to 4 or something like that. And I 17 saw him, like, to I was 4. Like, what? Crazy. I was like, dang. And like, man, I've never seen anyone do that to Isaac Gudelain except for Meow. Because I know I've – because – so I've always watched their, uh, their matches and stuff. But – once I like beat me out and I won the tournament, I was like, man, I can make this my life. I can travel, compete, and stuff. Because like that gave me confidence that I, now I know that I can compete and win at the highest level there is against all these top guys that are, that are winning everything. So just to get and just beating me out, that gave me confidence for like the rest of the tournament. And so I I had like a major confidence booster. So now I like every time I go now that I'm signed up for a tournament, I just know that I can. I can not only compete against them, I can win against them. So that's basically about it. Yeah. Yeah. I sure. watched the the interview you gave with Flo after you won everything, and uh, you mentioned that like now you realize that you could make this your life or whatever. And I, I thought that was kind of interesting because you've been doing re- you did really good at purple belt, you did really good at brown belt. You were competing with like all the best guys there, winning a bunch of the major tournaments. So like at that point, did you still kind of have this question in the back of your mind, like can I do this for a living? Yeah, I always had that question in the back of my mind. So like, even though I was doing good at like purple, brown, I was always there's always that like that little bit of doubt. Like, can I still do this at black belt? You know, because like they yeah. always talk about like the major gap difference between belts. The belts is like once people go from brown to black, like there's a huge difference. Like sometimes people who go like they're real killers at brown belt, but then they show up at black belt and they're like they don't look the same. You know, mm-hmm. so that's what I was thinking. I was like, can I go to black and then like immediately just start boom, just start winning tournaments and just start competing and winning against these guys so that was the question i was like and then if i don't will i be like one of those guys who are brown belts like they're kill out brown belts and then i'm not that good at i don't compete i don't put in the results at black belt so that was the question that would uh so that result kind of is determining what i'm going to be doing for my life um 
but yeah so that's that was that was going on through my head since for well will i be able to do this for a living even at black belt so just base because if i want to do this for a living i want to be able to compete and then keep putting the results as a black belt because that's how you get your name out there that's how you, you make a living for yourself is boom beating all these guys and that's how people start knowing your name seminars start getting booked in privates and stuff so that's that's basically how you make your name in it so for sure for Jake, sure. did you kind of feel the same way? Because you, you were getting really good results at Purple and Brown. Did you feel like in the back of your head, you were like, can I make this a living? Or am, am I going to have to just wait until I achieve something at Black Belt? So for me, it was, it was a little bit different. My goal ever since I was fi- uh, about when I was in high school, and I've told the story on the show before about my coming to jiu-jitsu moment. And um, I feel like I've always just – like my whole goal has been I just want to be able to put on a gi every day, and that's my job. Like that's my career. I can live comfortably. I can have a family one day with jiu-jitsu as my job. But um, my competitive desires are like obviously incredibly huge as well, equally big. So I feel like the moment I realized I was going to be able to make a living doing it is pretty much just when I moved out my I moved out of my house and I was able to actually live on jiu-jitsu, which is really, really cool. But for me, I feel like I did worse at brown belt than black belt, actually. I feel like I, I didn't get as much done. I did better in no gi at brown belt than I did in the gi. And now I don't do no gi. So it's like, where are my results going to go? That's a joke. But um, <laughs> I uh, I feel like a little bit different. Like, Josh, I feel like you have been on a consistent, just from watching you. And I know we met at, uh, we met at, like, Fight to Win Sacramento. You beat Cole Franson. I remember that's when we met. No, and- no, I, uh, I fought against uh, Keith Krikorian. Oh, oh the, yeah, yeah, that no match. Yeah, you fought, you fought yeah. against uh, Man- uh, Manuel Rebo Mar. I did, yes. Yeah. Um, and ever since then, you've been on, like, this this consistent rise Right. And I feel like that's been and then looking back before we do this episode, it's like that's been the same since Purple Ball for him. He's just been on a consistent path. I feel like for me, it was like, yeah. And then it was, (laughs) yeah. And then it was, yeah, we're doing it. And then it was like really big. And then it was like, wow, you're down here again once you learned a new concept and you're trying to do it in tournaments. So it's um, for me, it's like I'm very sporadic. Uh, It has a lot to do, I think, with like my personality. But you've been on a consistent rise, man. And. I don't know. I just uh, that's that's my experience with jujitsu. I feel like I know for a fact I'm going to be as successful as I want to be with jujitsu. And also, me and you are kind of. I mean, do you want to be a coach, Josh, one day? Yeah. So I'm. Uh, I don't want to be a coach. I'm. I'm already kind of a coach, like for kids and stuff. But mm-hmm. I think when I want to like be a coach, coach, an actual coach is when I'm done competing. Yeah. Because okay? I feel like I feel like it's going to be kind of hard to be a coach and a competitor at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because. Say that I started gym, but then I'm still competing. I'd be leaving all the time and stuff like that. And then, hey, yeah. like my students are gonna get the the all the attention that they need, and you know, for for them to com- compete. I'm hoping that when I have students, I hope they compete, because I would love to have my students compete out there. And you know, because co- I think a comp- competition is a real big part of being able to progress to like the high, the next level. So, um, I feel like if I want to be a coach and have my own gym, I feel like I want to be. If not done, somewhat close close to being done and just doing yeah. it for like whatever, you know? For sure, yeah. No, I feel the same way. And I, I, that's another thing is like I am a coach, but I'm a uh, – my professor is the main coach and I am a coach. Yeah, at the gym. exactly. So we both do it. So whenever I yeah. leave, he stays. Whenever he stays, I leave, you know, the <laughs> vice versa. So, yeah, that's – and hey, I mean, shoot, first year at Black Belt winning Pan Ams, like regardless of uh, result, you're able to stay at the highest level and you won. So – you're pretty, pretty on your way there. It's a good, uh, it's a good indication of things to come. I think. What do you think, Danny? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if you looked at the list of guys who've won black belt 
Japan's world's Europeans that on their first try, it's probably a very short list. So you're yeah. definitely <laughs> to Oh yeah, speaking of that. You want. Speaking of that. What is your what is your next plan? You got a super fight, you got a you got a uh you know. Oh, uh uh, what do you call it? Spider Korea just posted up. Um, oh yeah, I did see Spider Korea oh, yeah. in L.A. Yeah. November November twenty eighth. I was holding I was holding off on that. Uh, cause like it was right after Pan, so I was supposed to go to the Spider Korea in Korea. It was like the qualifiers or something like that. Um, this one's the finals now. The qualifiers is when I was supposed I was still a brown belt. Yeah. Um, they invited me, but it kept on getting delayed because due to COVID, like all that mm. travel stuff. Yeah. And so I'd have to go out to Korea, do like a two week quarantine, and then another week so like three weeks in korea but two two weeks of it, it's not really in korea it's in it's in the hotel room so that like that sucks and so i would have to cut wait for it but they delayed it so far back is when um i just got my my, my job it was my first mm-hmm. job i work at in and out as a cleanup now so i'm like part part time that and then jujitsu so i just got the job and then i was like hey we'll fly you out this weekend to korea i'm like whoa i can't just leave my job like right then and there and then uh and then plus, it was also uh, coming up was my anniversary with Yasinia. So mm-hmm. it was a three-year anniversary coming up. And I was like, well, I know if I leave, I'm going to have uh, my job. So And then Yasinia is also going to be mad at me. So <laughs> I mean, I'd rather just stay because, like, they've delayed it for, like, two months. Yeah. But yeah. the thing is, uh, but, all right, and I just talked to him. So I was like, all right, I'll just get on the next one. We'll just wait. We'll get on the next one. Like, everything's better. There's no COVID. I get to, like, walk around Korea and not have to be stuck in my room for two weeks. And then after PANS, they emailed me or they messaged me saying, hey, Spire Korea is going to be in L.A. So I'm like, oh, in L.A. Okay, I can do that. No quarantine. Okay, cool. And then they said November 28th. Um, I think I was supposed to be, like, the last guy announced, but I think someone dropped out. I don't know who because they only announced uh, a guy from Korea. Paulo Miao's in it, so I'm going to fight him again, but in the semis of that tournament. So me and him are going to get a second match. And then I'm gonna have Kennedy Maciel first match for that for that tournament. But they have so. But I know there is Isaac Dudelin in there. There's my bud uh, Kevin Crosco at Aries, um, mm-hmm. who uh, Diego Sodre, Fabricio Andre. Yep. Diego George was in there, but I don't know if he dropped out or not because Kennedy was in there, the Korean guy, and then me. So that was eight of us. But I think Diego George might have dropped out, and then Paulo might have taken his place because I think Diego George is probably still in Brazil. I don't know. Yeah, he. I'm pretty sure he is. So is that what is what they posted? Is that the final like 66 kilo event? Yeah, I know that's they, be the final event. Okay, and it's yeah. in LA now. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. That is cool. Yeah. Man, you said you get mad at you. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys seem like a great team, dude. I noticed that you guys you guys really feed well off of each other, and uh, you bring her up a lot. Is it's got to be kind of cool to have a like a high level competitor in your corner in that regard, right? Dude. Oh yeah, heck yeah. We do we do everything together. Mm-hmm. So like doing it by yourself is fun, but to have someone there with you, yeah, uh, I think it makes everything better. That's awesome, dude. So I wanted to take a step back a little bit and talk about like your background in jujitsu too. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about just how you got into it and uh, what academy you came up training in? Yeah. Um. So before jujitsu, I first started in wrestling. So I wrestled my whole life until the age of twelve. And then even then, I would start go jujitsu and wrestling back and forth. Um, so I started jujitsu at 12. It was my dad who got me into it because my dad used to train back in the early 2000s in uh, around LA area. He used to train with uh, Hoist Gracie when they first came out. So when like the Gracies first came out, on, like UFC one, two, and three, he started training with Hoist, and he trained there until he got his blue belt. But then he had to move, 
and then for like work and stuff. And then I first got introduced at Elite Team by Cellular, who I'm still with. I'm still under Tom Knox. We're an affiliation under Clever Luciano. And uh, so I started off at 12 years old, Elite Team by Cellular. Around that time, we were back and forth in jiu-jitsu and wrestling. Like, we do both at the same time. But up until high school is when I stopped wrestling. I wrestled. I stopped jiu-jitsu to wrestle one year, uh, my freshman year at uh, Selma High School. Placed that state. Then after that, I was done with wrestling. I was like, okay, I like jiu-jitsu way more. Um, the weight cutting sucked for wrestling because I had to cut from <laughs> 130 down to 106. Oh, my I, God. I was, like, skinny. That's brutal. Yeah, I was real skinny. And the weight cut was really, really tough. So after, after wrestling season, I was like, all right. My first try, I placed that state. I'm not going to do it again. So I went full-time jiu-jitsu. I was like, I'm traveling across the country. I'm traveling across the world. I'm like, man, wrestling can't take me this far. So, I mean, it can, only, it can take me to college, but it's not going to take me around the world. So I'd rather be doing jiu-jitsu anyways. And so, oh yeah. So that's I just I started that elite team by Sully. I'm still there. And from white to black. And so just still representing them. Yeah, it's pretty similar to Jake's story, I feel like, because I don't mm -hmm. think a yeah. lot of high-level competitors really come up like under the same coach for their whole career. So do you want to talk a little bit about like your relationship with your coach and, and your teammates? Yeah. Um, I have a really, really good relationship with Tom. He's like a second father to me. He's putting in he's putting in like a lot of like a lot of work into me. Like he's he's supported me since the beginning. Um I feel like he saw something in me because I like as soon as we came in there, like we asked us, like, are they competitive? Because we're all about that competition. Like we like to compete, we like to travel. And so he would uh what do you call it? help pay for all these traveling and stuff like that he would take me everywhere too everywhere with him wherever he'd go and so uh whenever he would compete he'd always ask me like hey do you want to compete here too so I was like, yeah and so I, I would drive up there with him stay with him he'd be in my corner all the time um yeah i think there was like one year where like we tr like we literally competed like twice a month like up and down everywhere so like we, it, it was crazy it, it was real fun too i was like oh I'm, i like this and so but uh, at times, like, we got a little worn out competing that much. But, like, <laughs> yeah. we just kept doing it. Uh, uh, dude, yeah, Tom, I appreciate everything Tom's done for me. He's got, he got me my first sponsorship. Um, my first sponsorship, which is Moya Brand, and I'm still with them. Um, uh -huh. So, he's got, yeah, he's, he's gotten me a bunch of deals. He got me on Fight to Win, all that stuff. He's done, he's done a lot for me. So, yeah, it's like, it's like a father-son relationship almost. So, yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, I feel like too. There's like a lot of people in jiu-jitsu who say if you want to be a top-level competitor, you have to train with Atos, AOJ, especially being in Southern California, you know. So, like, did you hear that kind of stuff coming up? Did you ever like have people trying to tempt you to to switch teams or to go train with certain people? Um, no, I never really thought of that. I mean, we 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 would cross train. Like, we would always cross train when Kishinyo was first out of Modesto. Um, when he was back in Cali, we would cross train with him a lot. Um, and Marcos Saragossa, him in Sacramento, we would always train with Marcos Saragossa too. Uh, like we would always cross train another place, but we never really thought about moving to a different gym. Because um, I felt like, because at that time we were already putting results. I was like, all right, we like, it's like, look, we don't need to go move to AOJ, Atos, over here just to put in results. We can do that on our own. I mean, it's a great gym. They're great gyms. They're great teams. Yeah. They have a lot of good guys. I'm pretty sure that, like, they get a lot of benefit off of that. But I feel it's not really a necessity that you need. I feel like if you just have the right coach for you, you have the right training partners. Um, because in, at the end of the day, it's it's how much work you're putting in. It's not how much 
that work they're like they're putting in because you can go with those teams and then like they're trying to do all for you and then you're still not putting the results it's how much work you're putting in so i feel like it's based off of what how how much you do yeah i agree yeah i think we've had some so we've had some autos guys on too and i think a lot of times it's it's good like obviously they have super high level training partners who have gotten really good results in competition to train with but at the same time there's less focus on each individual and more yeah. focus on the team as a whole where you probably had your coach giving you you know like you said a lot of attention taking you to all the tournaments he went to that type of thing might be a little more difficult at like an autos or a big school like that yeah yeah so yeah because yeah say that there's a bunch of killers at one team they have to separate their attention on everyone like they can't just focus on just on one person they have to give their attention to everybody basically yeah and because i yeah. come like, from me i was me and my brother we were like the only ones really outgoing competing as much we still mm-hmm. had competitors but they would compete more locally and not as much like we would go wherever there's a tournament we're going that's how it was tournament here all right we're going tournament here we're going so i feel and the same, same thing was tom so like, he would also compete too so whenever he'd compete we'd compete so that i think that's why i was able to get a lot of attention because we compete a lot with them and so we're always traveling with them we're always going here with them so i think that's why but yeah i don't think it's it's also really good to have those training partners because even though they're getting the attention and you're getting really really good roles but if you're if you're like that one guy coming out of that gym you're getting all the attention yeah yeah I love what you said, too, about how your results are going to be based on how much individual work that you put in. Like, I think some people think that they have to go out to these bigger gyms and they feel like the coach is going to, like, maybe give them something that they're missing. But in your eyes, it's like, no, if I put in the work, I'm going to get the results that are reflective of the work that I put in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's jujitsu. It's not your coaches out there going fighting for you. It's you're going out there to fight. So you're stepping on the mat. It's all you based on how you fight that match that, that it depend is going to depend on how if you win or not so i mean they can do all they can for you in the gym and coaching in the corner but at the end of the day it's you who's stepping on the mat it's you who is if you're get, getting your hand raised if you do get your hand raised and but all that support it all it does come from your coaches and stuff all the, like they're there supporting you but it relies on you on how you perform in that match to win that fight for, for sure. sure yeah and it's cool like I mean, the longer you're with the people around you and you grow together, the more, now, yeah, obviously, you're going to learn about each other. But it's also on you to change it up and to yeah. open up your jiu-jitsu. I feel like, I've, I mean, I've trained with the same people since I was like 12, 13 years old. In some cases, like 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And, man, I, I still have awesome roles with them because we grew together. Mm-hmm. And I like that you, you know, you're so, you revere your, uh, your father figure-esque coach. Like that's the same relationship I have, and I think I told you that too. Where it's like, dude, Andre's my Andre is like my father, and it's really really cool that you have that relationship too. I think that in fact, I mean, look at Hodger Gracie. Hodger Gracie was winning world championships training with blue belts. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, the, I I wouldn't believe that like rhetoric that's pushed on people that you need to be surrounded by world champions. Yeah. You know, I I just don't believe in that. I think that it's on but, you, like you said. But yeah, but I think I feel like everyone's also different too. Mm-hmm. so like some people aren't like us like we can just stay at the same gym the entire time but like some people like those still at the same gym but they're not getting the results they want and they're trying as, as hard as they want yeah. and then sometimes they just need to move so i i also feel like it's also based on just who they are if they need that or not so i feel like everyone has different needs that's so. true 
Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I know you mentioned that you weren't sure like until recently that you could do this as a career, but was there any like competitive moments or any times when you were lower belt when you were like, man, I'm getting pretty good. Like I'm beating good guys consistently. I'm winning tournaments. Like maybe I could make this a career. Um, I was probably at, uh, as a pro belt. So pro belt, I had like pro belt, I was still winning, but I wasn't winning because I didn't place at Worlds at all. I lost in my quarterfinals as a pro belt. At Worlds, I placed at Pans, which was really good. So it was like, like a month or two months in, the Pro Bowl, I placed at Pans. Started at Pans, all right, cool. But then when I didn't place at Worlds, when I lost at the quarterfinals of Worlds, I was like, damn. But then again, I look back on it, Diego Pato didn't place, um, Sean Rico didn't place. There's like, there's a bunch of like, we our Pro Bowl division was stacked. Like I knew a bunch of guys in that division. That division was stacked. Um, but when I competed at Long Beach Open uh, later on in the year, uh, what do you call it? I won my division, and then I competed in the Open where I fought Mateus Rodriguez, um, that other from AOJ, Alessandro from AOJ, and this other big dude from uh, Gracie Bar, Arizona. Um, I forgot the guy's name. He's like a super heavyweight or something like that. Lucas, maybe. Yeah, Lucas. Jake, is that the? Yeah, Lucas, Lucas Norat. Yeah. Yeah. Lucas so Norat. Yes. Yeah. So I had Norat very first match. I took his back. I got the choke. Um, Alessandro, uh, what was it? I beat him by points? I think it was like four two. I think it was. It was four two. I kept on putting him in a bunch of triangles though. I was getting a lot of submissions and attacking on him. I just couldn't finish it because I was a small guy. He had big old shoulders. Um, and then Mateus Rodriguez. That one was the toughest match of the day. When I got against him, um, I got a very late takedown. He took me. He swept. So he pulled guard. He swept me. I was down two zero, but I was. Uh, I think it was tied. Probably one on one advantages. All I know is that he was up by two points. And then at the very end, um, what was it? Oh, I got a sweep at the very end. A sweep at the very end. I went from triangle, boom, came up, seeing like, I like, because there was like 10 seconds of like, with all my mind, I literally picked him off the ground, and boom, <laughs> the mat, all like, and everyone was like, oh, damn. And then when I got, when I, and then boom, I got the points, the score was tied, and then the ref gave me the ref decision. Because like, you know, I feel like a lot of uh, like bigger teams like Autos and AOJ, they have a real big influence on ref decisions. I feel. 100%, yeah. That's how I feel like, it's like, oh man, I don't know. AOJ, Autos, like sometimes whenever like that, like whenever like the other people are like more bigger names, I feel like they have an influence over the ref decision sometimes. Not yeah. most of the time, just sometimes, I feel. Um, but then I got I got the ref decision. I was like, oh yeah, I just beat Mateus Rodriguez, Alessandro, like all these guys, and I won the open weight. So I think at that time is when I started like, I was like, okay, I can, I can pretty sure I can do this, com- start competing and traveling and doing jiu-jitsu full-time as a career. So I think it was around that time is when I started thinking about it. Yeah, I remember after that tournament. Jake, did you compete in that tournament too? Uh, which one was it again? Uh, Long Beach Open. I think it was like 28. Yeah. 20, 2019 maybe? I mean, I competed in Long um, Beach Open 2017 and 2019. Or I think 20, it was 2018. 2019, I was a brown, but I didn't do it that year. I think it was 20. I did it as a purple belt. 2018. Yeah, I, I didn't do Long Beach Open 2018. I did Long Beach Open 2017. Okay. Yeah, so I remember that, that was, I remember that match, the final of the open class popping up on Facebook and people were sharing it all over the place. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. What was your what was your reaction when, when that match like actually started getting a lot of attention? Um I was like, Oh, dang, cool. <laughs> yeah. But the thing, uh we were thinking about it, uh like we we're getting a lot of attention like on Facebook and stuff like that. I was like, Oh, dang, okay, cool. So I was I was glad starting like show like the results and starting to get out there more. Like that's that's all it was for me, like to just to make a name, because it, once you make a name, it's a lot easier to make jujitsu a career. Mm-hmm. So it's like once everyone knows who you are, um, then like you, you they see your skill level, 
you're producing these results, they want to learn from you. That's how, again, that's how you get seminars and stuff like that. And then especially when you open up a gym, I mean, some like when they walk in, they're not going to know exactly who you are because they're not hardcore jiu-jitsu guys. They're, like, they're, they're, they're just barely walking in. But they see like you have these titles and stuff like that. Then that kind of persuades them, like, okay, this guy's legit and like they want to train. Yeah. It was the 2017 Long Beach Open that I was at. I just looked on my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so. So yeah, twenty. Uh, you went to the twenty eighteen Long Beach Open. Yeah, the twenty eighteen. Yeah, I missed that one. I didn't go. I went to twenty seventeen and twenty nineteen, but I didn't go to. It's it's it held in November, right? That's like what usually yeah, when it's, it's like, held. Yeah, it's like it's like an end of the year kind of thing. It's held at the pyramid. Yeah, no, it's an awesome tournament. It almost felt like yeah. it almost feels like Worlds. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's, it's like, a real fun tournament. Yeah, because yeah. you're you're in that you're in that uh that arena. That was a uh, 20, 2019 Long Beach Open is actually where I fought my first like r- high ranked black belt fight where like yeah didn't you fight uh, Orlando Montero I did yeah yeah I saw that I was like dang Jake Watson got his black belt like, he beat Orlando That's that was so that was definitely the that was definitely the coolest win uh, I've I've had besides Hudson when I beat Hudson it was like really yeah like dude, I was like, like holy I, crap I saw you beat those guys I was like oh. Okay, Jake. Jake is gonna make some noise. In You're the like, that's my friend. Yeah. <laughs> America. America. I, uh, I super had uh, like a lot of doubts about my game too, and like the victories really help with that, man. Like being yeah. able to win. Like, dude, I couldn't even imagine. Like after I saw you beat Paulo, I was like, oh, like that, that guy's on cloud nine right now. Like, yeah, he's on cloud nine. He just beat one of the yeah. best of all time. Yeah. Like, of course he's, uh, and he, and Paulo's not out of his prime. Like he's probably in his prime. So it's like, eh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. You know what I mean? I was, oh, uh, yeah. I was happy for you, dude. That was cool. So you mentioned uh, a couple names, like of the guys that you competed against coming up at Purple Belt. Like Diego Pato is one of them. Was uh, was he like the main guy who was? I don't want to say like rival, but was he like one of your main competitors that you were going against, like coming up until Black Belt? I I fought him six times coming up. Oh man. <laughs> I, but I've lost. I've lost each time against him. I oh really? Wow. But I feel like every time I fought him, it got closer and closer. Mm-hmm. Like the match was closer and closer. But, uh, what do you call it? Because at Brown Belt, so Purple, I fought him a couple times, but at Brown Belt, I fought him in the Pans Finals, in the World Finals, and those were the last two times I fought him, I believe. Those are, yeah, those are the last two times. Pans Finals, I was so close. Score was tied. He had, it was like 6-6, six six, I think. It was like 6-6. Six six. But then he had a couple ban- advantages over me. So, and it was in like the last seconds. I got a sweep. But he wasn't getting up the sweep. He would turn. He would turn. Boom! Hands on the mat, and instead try to give up the back and just defend the back. Because they like the rule set of IBJJF, they have to have both knees on the ground in order to get two points for three seconds. Which I feel like that's actually really hard to do to get them on their yeah. knees. Because if they just turn and all they do is just put one knee on the mat and just one leg up, they can just hold that and just defend the back the entire time. That's like that's insane. That's tough to put them on both knees. So I feel like they should just do a thing where at least you get one knee on the mat. Okay. Because I'm yeah. I'm used to wrestling. Um, in wrestling, if you even get them out their hands on the mat, if you just let have them put feet and then hands on the mat, that's two points. So I feel just to get someone on their knees, both knees on the, not even just one knee, both knees on the mat for three seconds, that's really tough. Because all they can do, they can just lift up one knee and then boom, three seconds is over. And they can just hold out like that. But yeah, but I think Pato is the one who really challenged me throughout the belts. Um, I think I progressed a lot just from facing him. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I said competition. Like I feel like you have to compete. I mean, it, you would progress faster if you compete. I feel like it's very helpful, but uh, you can still progress just in training. But I feel comp- competition has a, has really helped me compete, or really helped me progress, I should mm-hmm. say. Yeah. And, but I think Pato in that competition, Pato, Diego Pato, he's probably, yeah, like the rival you should say. But I lost every match. Um, 
but the guy but the guy who has pushed me to, to keep going further and further man yeah. me and you have a lot of parallels actually i feel the same way though because i i would fight Ronaldo like beginning of brown belt until black belt now and we're in different divisions now but he uh that, that was it the same thing like i didn't beat him until black belt and i lost like seven matches in a row that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And you it really is competition becomes training, especially like how active would you say you are on average competing re- when it's not like, you know, COVID's different now, but like how uh, how active do you think you'll be so, when yeah, it all goes so back? So let's say that yeah, COVID was gone. I'd probably be competing at least like once a month. Nice. Probably. So Yeah, see? That's a, that's like, a lot. I, I, that I feel like good. I feel like it's it's just, it's just part of the job. It's part of the journey. So mm-hmm. like when you compete, you learn more, you you fix your that's I feel like that's how you expose the mistakes that you have, those mistakes that the the weaknesses that you have, because that's mm-hmm. that's in competition. That's where you find out what you need to work on, what you don't need to work on. For sure. Because in training, because sometimes in training, um, you can switch up things every single day, but you know what your partner really does all the time. You know, like you can roll with the same guy over and over. You know what they do, and then like sometimes they'll be able to switch it up. But I feel like in competition, that's where you get exposed. Okay, like when you, especially like when you take losses. Even in your victories, you see you see where you need to work on your all your mistakes and stuff. Oh yeah. But especially, like I feel like, like I feel like even though I didn't win everything, I'm still grateful that I was losing because I saw everything that I needed to work on, and all those losses prepared me for black belt. So now I'm competing at black belt and I'm trying like just to go through tournaments making no mistakes, like having no weaknesses. I'm good everywhere, stand up, bottom, on my butt, on top passing. So. I think that's I think that's what it is. Yeah, my, my professor and I were watching your matches at Pans, and we were you were like in the final, you're winning. If you just lock your guard, you're gonna win. But you crazy bastard, you are still <laughs> fighting. You're still like like there's like a minute left. You're still trying to submit. I'm like, I dude, this guy I don't, I don't is like nuts. I, I know you don't, but I, man, I hate, like I, I like to move. I want to. You gave me a heart attack. <laughs> you gave me a heart attack. I'm like, no, just stop. Like, again, I get it. You, but dude, just take the penalty. I, I love that though. I remember, I remember you oh, gave. I, I think it. it was after maybe who's number one or something, and they asked you about like your style or whatnot. And you were just talking about always going for the submission. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, my style. So I want. So I want. It might not be realistic, but my goal is to win black belt worlds submitting everyone i don't want to beat people up based off like an advantage or a rep decision or a couple points if i'm gonna win off of points i don't want to win 12-0 you know i want to show that i'm definitely the better guy i i'm just dominating every single match um so like that's my goal to win all these tournaments submitting just running through everyone like like a knife through butter okay that's my goal um i think who was it was it john jack machado like he's literally like uh he went through worlds like think subbing everyone and he only has one hand like, that's yeah, insane. maybe ACC, that's I think. That is so, yeah. Yeah. like, that's I my goal. I forgot that. Yeah, like, yeah, not, a lot of people, like, they forget that. that. Like, this dude has one hand, and he's going through worlds, and he's subbing people. Like, come on. Like, how much skill do you, do, like, does he have just to do that? That's insane. So, for me, I, exactly, I just want to go through, sub everyone. So, even if it means giving up points. So, like, who's number one? I, I like, about the point system, it felt like it was a fight-to-win match. So yeah. like I wasn't even thinking about points because it was Seth Daniels running. You got the crowd, the music, the lights, and all that. It feels like it's a fight to win match. So I wasn't even thinking about points. I was thinking about going for the sub. And I just said, I I, I literally said, I, I was like, F it, I'm going, I'm going for it. Um, so like everything. And then I look back, I was like, and then like in the match, I was like, oh yeah, it's like this is Ivy Digital rule set. I forgot. <laughs> so I was, in, I was like, oh points. But then it was kind of too late. I was like down. 
by points and advantages. So, and there's only like a minute left. So I was like, well, it's Miram Alves. I'm not going to be able to do it on this guy. This guy, is, he's tough. He's tough as nails. And I know he's like, he's real strong and explosive, but I was like, and then so every, I think every point I gave in there, like the, the four points I gave because I went for a sub. So yeah. I went for the flying triangle, but he pulled guard and he came up and escaped. He got two points. Um, I went for an esteem lock, but then again, he came up, he got another two points. Mm-hmm. So like even in matches, that's where sometimes I get, I make mistakes. So like, like against Pedro Diaz. For when I had that Amaplata. I kept going for the Amaplata, Amaplata, Amaplata. And I had it. I was cranking on like the his hand was like touching the back of his head and just cranking on it. But the way I went for the sub, it uh it gave him a chance to escape. So I felt like that that was my mistake. I got too greedy. I get too greedy to go for the subs. So like, even like at the very end, like one like one minute left, I open up because I, I get too greedy. So that can cause me my downfall. Like so I could have like I could have lost like oh the run would have been over and stuff like that. Um but I feel like even though I want to get the sub, it's really hard to do, especially against all these high-level athletes. Like, like again, like say that I try to get on Paul Mel. Like, have you guys seen his his foot bends all the way backwards? He doesn't tap nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't tap anything. So just to get a guy like that to tap, it's like I it most likely have to be I have to put him to sleep. But so I think even though that's that's my goal, that can also cause my downfall in matches because I'm too greedy. I'm going for the sub. I'm not getting my points and stuff like that. So I've been starting to focus more on getting my points. Instead of going for the sub, I'm still attacking the subs whenever I can see, but I'm focusing on more getting the lead and making it's like securing the win almost now. For sure. Yeah. And dude, like it sounds to me like you competed on the first who's number one then, right? Yeah, the very first one. Yeah, the very first one. They haven't done a gi who's number one. Yeah, I've been since... doing all nogi. It's all nogi. They need and to I do can a message Howl. <laughs> message Howl, right? Yeah. First of all, shout outs to Alexa Grasso who wants to compete on who's number one, right? Beautiful UFC fighter lady. Uh, she wants <laughs> to compete on who's number one. It's unrelated, but she uh, she wants to compete on who's number one. I message how I'm like how big opportunity. I want to compete in the key on who's number one against She's Alexa like, Grasso. Make... He's like, no, dude, whoa, come on, man. No, no she. <laughs> um, unrelated, Danny. But she uh, he dear lord. Howell Teague is on vacation, so he was like, I don't know about a tournament in December on who's number one in the. But I want to do the gi. I want to compete the gi again, dude. I like the gi. They, I don't do they, no they, gi right they're now. They're probably doing do next year in February, cause that's what they did. Uh, did they do that? Who's number yeah, one? Yeah, I, I, I think it was February. This yeah, year. it was February. Right it was February. the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was February. Yeah, but I would love to. Yeah, dude, they need to start because they've done like what three in no gi already? Two, yeah. three, something like that. They need to get back into the gi too. I mean, a lot of people, I don't know, it's the thing. A lot of people, they find Nogi way more interesting than the Gi, mainly because they don't like seeing butt scooters and stuff like that, you know? But then um, they see it in Nogi, too. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. then they're all, they're, they're fascinated by these heel hooks. Leg locks, locks, yeah. Like, I'm like, I can get out of here with that stuff. I'm like, are you going to do that? In, like, I, I do a base off, are you going to do that in the street, you know? Are you going to literally try to, like, heel hook someone in the street? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you're going to be getting kicked in the face while you do it. Or a punch yeah. in the face or something because you're literally that close. Uh, I mean, it can go the same thing for the stuff in the gi, but I don't know. Like, I compete in nogi and I'm just not fascinated. I'm not interested in attacking. So, I mean, toe holes and knee bars, yeah, but like heel hooks, all the uh, arashigami stuff like that, the reaping. I'm not interested in that stuff. Like when I watch it, I'm like, cool, but mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not really interested. Like that's not that's not my style. I should say it's just not. It's just mm. it's just not my style. Okay, so that's a good segue into a question. So what's your opinion on the heel hooks? We had Robert Deagle on our last 
a couple episodes and he was talking about heel hooks and IBJJF competition. Well, that's a thing now. That is no longer something we yeah. jujitsu purists can uh, avoid. Now we have to kind of, if we want to compete in Nogi, we kind of got to be a part of that icky culture. So yeah. <laughs> it's like walking through LA. You got to be a part of it for a second to yeah. get where you want to go. Yeah. So where is a, a good part of LA or bad part of LA, by the way? I'm not, I'm not bashing LA. I'm from LA, but moving yeah. on. What's your um, opinion on it? You gonna compete in it? Yeah, I'm still gonna compete. It's not gonna change the way I fight or anything. It's just I'm gonna be more cautious with my with my ankles now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm gonna be a little a little less open for all, like all this stuff. Cause like if uh, if you guys see me in Nogi, I'm I'm like I'm real scrappy. You know, I like to mm-hmm. I like to scrap. Cause I come from wrestling. Like that's what I, like that's all we do. So Nogi, I think I I even feel like I'm a better Nogi grappler than I am in the gi, um, because of wrestling. So even if there's uh, heel hooks coming in. I still know, like, you know, the basic how to defend the heel hooks. I still I know how to do heel hooks, but I'm not going to be making that my go-to. I'm still going to try uh, to avoid those positions because, again, even though there's heel hooks, it's still the same rule set. They're just added on heel hooks. So um, I don't I don't care that it's added in. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's nogi. I mean, it's it's sort of easy to escape heel hooks because it's nogi. Like, you can slip out of things. Like, you can slip out of a lot of submissions. Um but yeah, I'm all for it. I think it'll make the the sport of jiu-jitsu grow in Nogi, especially for IBJJF because they're trying to rival ADCCs. So I feel like it's a good competition between the two organizations. Um, but then again, uh, that's also very dangerous, especially for like the other person. Like I can tweak your knee. So I feel like a lot more people. There's gonna be a lot more people trying to compete. Like more tenth planet guys because like that's all they do is you know they're all they're all about like the ankle locks heel hooks and stuff like that, basically. Um, I feel like there's gonna be a lot more competitors now that there's heel hooks. So like oh heel hooks and IBJF now mm-hmm. I feel like there's gonna be a lot more competitors which will probably uh, like the competition level will probably increase a little bit. But other than that like the heel hooks, um, the only thing that changes it is just now you have to protect your your legs even more now more yeah. than. Mm-hmm. The meta game is definitely going to change. I thought about, I've been thinking about it too because, like in, I mean, approaching with like a knee cut in nogi now comes with implications other than just getting up on a single. Like yeah. you know, you attack a you attack a knee cut in nogi. Usually you're worried about okay, are they going to bump me over, get to deep half or to a single? Like now you got to yeah. worry, are they going to set up inside ashi or yeah. are they going to set up fifty fifty? Yeah. You got to worry about your feet. I think what's going to happen now, this is my prediction, is more people are going to resort to more old school passing, like double unders yeah. and like arm uh, leg weaving with your arm. Yeah. Yep. I feel like that's going to come back now. Like it's just going to yeah. make the sport go back to old school. And all these guys like Gustavo Batista are going to be like, heck yeah, that's my game, yeah. baby. And <laughs> I, I, I honestly feel there's going to be a lot more people trying to take down a pass now. Because even if say that you pull guard and you're on your butt, let's say that top guy likes to play heel hooks, he'll just sit back with a with ankle lock or a heel hook and try to start weaving in his legs. So I feel like a lot more people are going to try to keep a strong base, old school passing, and just keep their legs away. So yeah, I definitely feel like it's going to change a lot of styles that the people play, um, and I feel like it's going to change. Yeah, it's definitely going to change the way fights are looking now. I think it's going to make things a little bit more interesting. A lot more uh, takedowns and passing and stuff instead of instead of sitting to their butt. Yeah, for sure. And another cool thing about that is like reap situations don't often yield a sweep. Like they they're just it seems to me from my experience watching. Obviously, I'll study this and learn more about it as well. But it seems like every time a reap situation happens and you isolate a leg, 
The only thing that can happen if you don't submit is either they stay and you have them locked or they escape and it resets to neutral. A lot yeah. of sweeps out of the reap situation, they don't really happen because of a sweep. You like let go and it turns into a wrestling situation. Whereas like yeah. with X guard or classic single X guard, it seems like those positions will yield a sweep before they yield a submission. So that's mm -hmm. probably going to change as well. People are going to be like in the last like 30 seconds, if they're able to get into like that reap situation, they're going to have to submit. Or they're not going to get their points, so I think yeah. that'll change too. This could be interesting. I never really thought about it until I talked to you, Josh. I want to. I want to know um, what is it going to be if say that you reap and say that you're like you don't get the, you don't get the hook, you don't get the submission, but you reap and the guy immediately rolls and you keep trying to roll the lock in the reap and you roll out of bounds mm -hmm. because a lot of people like they roll out of they roll out of bounds just off the of toeholds real quick. Yeah. So mm -hmm. say that you're reaping but you don't have the ankle lock or you don't have the heel hook right away, you don't have that submission uh, attempt locked on. And you're reaping, and you go out of bounds. What are they going to reset it? Is it just going to go back to standing, or I that's imagine probably, that'll be interesting because it's like when you're reaping, the heel is generally going to be exposed, so it's like you're going for a submission. Yeah, so like, but you don't have to set you. In. Yeah, but I'm saying they don't have the submission locked in. If they have the submission locked in, I'm pretty sure they're going to stand you two points because that's what yeah. they do for like toe holds and e bars and stuff. Yeah. Like toe holds, boom, they roll out of bounds, stand up two points. But let's say that they don't even have the heel hook locked in. They don't have the submission, but they're just reaping. That's what I want to know. They'd probably give an advantage because you're you're trying to isolate a position, and that person is rolling out, which is technically a correct defense. So they're just going to give an advantage to the person attacking, and you'll have to give up that advantage. Similar to like a toe hold rule, but, yeah. with, the, but with the toe hold rule, it's usually like – you know, if you're both locked in, you both get an advantage, right? Yeah, or yeah, yeah or you're both reset with two, which is basically nothing. But I think that they're probably going to do that. They'll probably give an advantage to the person trying to initiate the reposition. And then, um, Ricardo Amendoli just followed me on Twitter, guys. Sorry, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably going to be what happens. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, did IBJJF come out with like a video going on, like IBJ the new rule set for Helix and stuff like that yet, or yeah. no? You know, the only time they like formally acknowledge the rule change is in that announcement where they announced Master Worlds and Worlds, but it just mentioned it. It didn't like go into specifics about the rules. Yeah. So. Yeah, I see. I see so many like uh, of the old school guys throwing like outside heel hooks that are like like I saw Andy Murasaki at a Subversive yesterday throw an outside yeah, yeah, I was watching that. foot on the hip. I'm like, yeah, that's like the first heel hook you learn. Like that's like yeah, because I I believe that reaping is not as secure as uh. Like, like, I think a straight ankle lock is a more secure submission than an outside repeal hook just because of the nature of, like, being able to turn. Yeah. Um, that's my belief. I will die on that hill. But um, <laughs> but you see, like, there's so many different, like, names for all these positions. But really, it's like you can either isolate the leg on the outside or the inside and isolate the leg yeah. in one way. But the, the escapes don't really change. I, I really – I'm kind of excited just because, hey, new thing in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad they didn't do nothing with the gi, where you can like reap with the gi, because that would be like a huge change. Yeah, especially if, they, if they reap in the gi, because like already in the gi, you can't really move as well in the gi. Exactly. So if reaping in the gi, that's gonna be even worse. I don't want gi competition to change, and I want to get back in a no gi competition just for the sake of competing. Like I, I'm like you, dude. I love competing. I know Danny loves competing too. Danny's just man, he's got too smart of a brain to not do drum. <laughs> so like, we we love competing too. Uh. You didn't really – I don't think you really answered my question earlier when I said, what, what do you have any super fights coming up? Did you say you uh, had any super spider. fights coming up? No, Other just spider. spider. Only Spider Korea is coming up in November. And then if they're having Worlds in the summer, then probably Worlds. If not, then I'll just do American Nationals, and that's it. Nationals, What is that? Sorry, Jake. What was that? 
<laughs> Nothing. I said, what is that? <laughs> uh, that's just Cindy. She just got home. She's opened up a bag of chips. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I was like, dang. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, well, so, okay. So you fight, I don't know what pluma means in Portuguese. You fight light feather? Yes, light feather. Light feather. Okay. So let's see. Let's see if Seth, I'm going to, I'm going to message Seth and just tell him to get you on a main event. Because, uh, oh, Kenny's fighting Juni right now. Yeah, that's Nogi 145. Seth, Seth hit me up to fight in Philly, like November 6th, November this, November that, like all of November. But I'm focusing on Spider Korea, so I'm not going to be fighting anytime <laughs> in November. Gotcha. Uh, he said he hit me up with like December dates, but I feel like December I'm just going to compete and world, if they have worlds, and then that'll be like my last competition for the rest of the year. Mm. And, and if, if not worlds, then probably just American Nationals. And yeah. then, uh, and then I'm gonna go on my Christmas break and relax. And then boom, nice. next. And then next year I'll start it up again. And then start running through tournament, whatever tournaments are start coming up. Start running through all those tournaments. But uh, I think right, but right now like, like super fights, super fights are really really cool. But uh, right now I'm just focused on like the big ones right now. Yeah, just, for like, sure. The big, the spider, the spider, because I think I feel like that, that that's gonna need like all the attention because like spider Korea, I got all these. I got Kennedy, Isaac Dudelane, Paulo Miao, Fabricio Andre. Freaking Diego Sodre. I got uh, my friend Kevin Cross going there. Like, th- like this is it. Like just this little, little bracket, this little tournament. That's like this is no joke. Like all the, everyone in here. Yeah, that's a, it's a high level one. Yeah. Exactly. So and then again, same thing. Like if Worlds, I'm putting all my attention in for Worlds. Mm. So, I mean, because when when Worlds as a first year black belt as well, and then against like that's the same people. So that, again, so like that's gonna be crazy. Well, yeah, but it it won't happen unless that uh, they'll let us know by the tenth or the twelfth, yeah, right? Yeah, that. The, so it won't happen stuff. unless the travel stuff is easier. Yeah, but it's like so I'm sort of like on the thing saying like they might not have it. That's why they announced American Nationals yeah. because yeah. the travel like in two weeks are the travel restrictions really going to change in two weeks? Exactly. Maybe. Like I don't think those decisions get made in like a very short time window. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think it depends who wins. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that be true too. <laughs> in the IBJJF presidential election 2020. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny so i did have one more question for you actually so you mentioned you had such a good relationship with your coach uh tom knox but i also noticed that you have a really good relationship with kishino you can see like a lot of kishino's influence in your game like doing a lot of the omoplatas and you have a really good spider guard and stuff so do you want to talk about like his influence on your game and like how you met kishino yeah so i met kishino when we had him over for a seminar i think it was like back in 2013 i was yellow belt at the time uh he came and we we're like amazed with like everything he's showing and all this and that. Even though I was a yellow belt, he's showing. Uh, I think I was probably Omoplata is what he was showing. I was still yeah. amazed by it, but I couldn't do it yet because uh, like every DJ rule set, I can't do Omoplata's yet, uh, like my agent belt. But I was still amazed. I was like, oh, this is so cool. I want to do this. And then um, I uh, like at blue belt, I went up there a couple times and like just training with him, I'd get mopped. Just like the, he would mop the floors with me, him and Samir, and then like their gym. The gym was it was like it was hot in there. Like it was like like, uh, like one of the gyms you'd go in, like, Brazil, and it's just hot. It's just hot in there. And so I was like, I like it. I'm sweating a lot. It's, like, it's real easy to, to lose weight in here. And so I was like, hey, like, before, like, at Pro Belt, before Pants and Worlds, like, I'll, I'll go try. I'll ask if I can go train with them, like, a week before and train for that week. And, like, that's how that's how I would lose the weight. And then I did that again as a brown belt. And then I did it again as a black belt before Pants. I came out here. I lost the weight. Yes, Yesenia cooked for me. She, she, was like, she was, like, my personal chef. Uh, all the diet and everything, and then uh, we went to go train with Kishino, and I, I lost all the weight. It was easy, 
And but no, Kishino has had a major influence on my style. Because again, if you guys watch him, he's always just going for the submission too. Yep. I've watched sure. him a lot. I watch all his matches. Um especially his Omoplatas. That's I, I learned how to finish Omoplata from him. So the way he attacks Omoplatas and finishes, I learned from him. I do I try to do it the same way as him because he gets it. And uh like even then, like so I talked about it with him the other day, he even corrected my mistake on when I had the Omoplata on what I should have done. And I looked back and I was like, Oh, you're right, I should have done that, yeah. And uh probably would have got the finish. And uh so yeah, no, Kishinio, he's like he's like my second professor. So like it was a lot like like a high level, uh, he fixes a lot of my mistakes too. I, I talked to him about my mistakes too, and then even like training and stuff, I learn a lot of things whenever I roll with him. Like every time I roll with him, I learn even more. So it's it's crazy. Like even though like he he he's masters, but he's killing it at adults still. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's awesome. Yeah. And he finds cool. time to referee here in Arizona, so it's like yeah. that guy. He's a, he's no. But what I mean by that is he's an active member of the community, which is yeah, he wears cool. a lot of hats, oh. Oh, teaches, yeah. has the academy. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a great guy. He's a great guy, and he looks good in all of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See that? I like it, Jake. <laughs> an example of the role I play on this podcast. I think just that guy that's kind of on there. <laughs> Jake, did you have any more uh, questions for Josh? No, I did not, man. I'm just, uh, again, I wish you all the best, dude. Like, seeing you and how you've risen and how you've uh, carried yourself, most of all. Like, the thing is, yeah. when you, um, when you're very young, and the reality of being young, like, I'm 22. I'm not much older than you. But, like, I'm, we're surrounded by mature people, you and I, right? Yeah. And Like me. I'm super old. Yeah, he's <laughs> But uh, having that, right, and being successful, your head is just like your metabolism, it can swell and decrease very quickly with how well you do. So you having these, like, I, I think that you are fully capable of going out and winning Spider Korea. But look what happened to, I don't know, uh, Gordon Ryan. The guy is so amazingly successful. But do you, like, you sacrifice a little bit of what made him Gordon Ryan, right? Yeah, yeah. And, like, hey, man, I want to have that guy on the show, too. It's not bashing Gordon Ryan. But you seem like the kind of guy who very much values how he looks as a representative of himself rather than how he wants people to see him, right? Yeah. So you're, you're very good at carrying yourself, dude. I'm glad. I'm happy for you. Uh, we'll, definitely, we'll definitely have you back on in the future. Yeah. But, like dude, keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on staying true to yourself. Uh, I, li- I like that you're like a people's champion. Keep on going. And uh, please, if we ever roll, don't do to me what you did to that guy in the semifinals. <laughs> yeah. Dear God, I was frightened. Um, I will definitely be doing the Tiago, try to do the Tiago Macedo stand up. Don't let you pick up Yeah. That. One knee off the ground, like you said, <laughs> avoiding the points. Uh, but hey, you're doing great. And um, we'll definitely have you back on. Thank you, man. Danny, do you have any other questions? No. Is there uh, any sponsors or any, any shout outs or teammates you want to talk about? Uh,. Uh, just a uh, lead team by Sully. That's where I train out of Central Central California. Uh, Moya ran my sponsor, the one I've always been with. Uh, mixtape ran my uh, my tape brand. I wasn't wearing them at uh, what do you call it at Pants because I haven't got I haven't gotten any uh, mixtape since then. But uh, and that's that's about it, man. Nice. Uh, well, Jake, you want to talk about our sponsors? <laughs> I do want to talk about our sponsors, Danny. I want to talk about Electrum <laughs> Performance. Danny, <laughs> if you are ready to squat and deadlift like your life depends on it, then you need to go to Electra Performance 
Apple.com and also on the App Store. And if you're weird and have an Android, do you have an Android, Josh? No, I have iPhone. I'm, an, yeah. I'm, a, I'm Apple. Good. You're not nice. weird then. <laughs> <laughs> then don't go on, go on Google Play or whatever. <laughs> Use the app. Go to OpenGuard. Use OpenGuardGas25 as a discount code. You get a quarter off, 25%, 0.25, one-fourth off of their products, all right? So That's that if you want to get a just a thick ass, right, <laughs> and you want to squat <laughs> and you want to do leg curls like the pros, then you go to Alex Sterner's Electric Performance and you use our discount code. But if not, then whatever. Don't take my advice then and keep on being thin like me. Um, take his advice. <laughs> take my advice for sure. But uh, uh, we want to thank Marcio Andre Academy, Maracaba BJJ, Chill Fit Cryo, Agro Brand, High Tier Photography. Thank you guys so much. We love you. Break new ground. Love you too. Right, you can use my discount code Jake Watson for 10% off of geese if you want to look even half as cool as me. Uh, but hey, thank you, Josh Snaros. Thank you, everybody. He thanks. Uh, that's it. That was episode 56 of the Open Guardcast. Danny tried to mess me up before the episode. Tell me it was episode 55. It is 56. We're getting sure? up there in episodes. I'm Are damn sure? right. I am right, Danny. All right, it is 56. It is 56. Right. <laughs> Josh, I said his fact check. You really quick. You. I'll be seeing you hopefully at Worlds. I'm gonna ignore that, Danny. I'm gonna I'll be seeing you hopefully at Worlds, and I will be seeing you at American Nationals. And uh, likewise, rocket America, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> All, right, All right. Thanks again to Josh, and thanks for everyone for listening. This is episode 56, like Jake said, of the Open Guardcast, and we'll see you guys soon. Thanks.